I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gola Jr. That is me. With me, as always, on the ones and twos, Brandon Newman. Brandon, how we doing? Doing well, Mike. How was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was a test, and I failed because I went to Las Vegas for a last-minute bachelor party, and it was great. It was an awesome time. It was one of our old friends from Notre Dame. Got to see some familiar faces. But, Brandon, the test was, am I ready for the Super Bowl in Las Vegas? And the answer to that is 100% no. That's all I could think about was I was there for about 24 hours. And the way I walked out feeling, the only thing I could think of driving away was, my God, how are we going to do this for a week next year? No one is ready for the Super Bowl in Las Vegas because of that exact statement, Mike. A week there like some people are afraid of a week in las vegas just to do it on purpose for fun it's a work trip every super bowl trip well the super bowl is a different animal because you're burning the candle on both ends right normally when you go to vegas for something it's just for the express purpose of fun we're going to go to vegas and have to do shows all the things that come with work and all the superpower parties on steroids that occur for the Super Bowl anywhere, let alone a Super Bowl in Las Vegas. And that filled my heart with dread. I'm not going to lie. So I don't think I'm going to be even remotely ready for that. I'm going to try and convince myself at the start of the week that I'm going to stay in and I'm not going to do all these things, knowing full well that by the time we hit Tuesday or Wednesday and people start flooding into town, I am going to do this. Because, like, Brandon, in general, you shouldn't be in Las Vegas longer than 48 hours. Any trip longer than that is a mistake as far as I'm concerned out there. 36 is the sweet spot. It's like playing golf where I really think 13 holes is the perfect number. And by the time I get to 18, my low back hurts too much. A lot of other things creep in. I think that same thing is true for Vegas right around the 36-hour mark. I like that, Mike. But I think 72 is fair, especially if you like travel in after work and then you plan to leave earlier. But all the flights out of Vegas are always canceled. 
So I feel like, you know, you're, you end up having to be there a little bit longer than you need to. And, you know, you, you decompress on some slots in the airport. I, I had a friend of mine leaving a trip. It was for his 21st birthday party. Our families all went years ago who missed his flight at his gate, sleeping through it because he had gone Ooh. so hard that weekend. That's a feeling of horror that true few people actually have a true appreciation for. So hopefully we won't succumb to that, Brandon. We do have a great show for everyone today. Despite that, playing hurt, as always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star rating, and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. We need your help. Keep those reviews coming. Uh, Brandon, we got a great show today. We've got Weekend Roses coming off the long weekend of sports. we got a look at the NBA playoffs and the series that's kind of carrying the entire load right now. But, mm-hmm. Brandon, since I was in Las Vegas, it feels like we should talk about the gambling news that dropped in the NFL on Friday after yeah. we were done with our podcast. If anybody missed it, Four Lions players were among the five total NFL players suspended last Friday for violating the NFL's policy on gambling after an investigation by the league. It was wide receiver Quintez Cephas for the Lions, safety C.J. Moore, Washington Commanders defensive end Shaka Tony, and then second-year wideout for the Lions, Jamison Williams and Stanley Berryhill were all suspended. Now, Cephas, Moore, and Shaka Tony were all suspended for the year. They can apply for reinstatement. That was very much like the Calvin Ridley situation where they were punished for gambling on the NFL, which, Brandon, I can totally understand as a no-no, right? However you think it is, I know people's immediate thing is to jump to, well, the league runs ads for gambling partners. I know this probably sounds weird because we do a show with a gambling partner, but I think everyone can logically look at the situation and go, yeah, no, you can't be bet- have players betting on the NFL. Even if you're accepting ad dollars from gambling companies, it's even more reason to make sure that something that's always been at the center for a long time, the stigma against gambling around the league, was this notion that would players be pulled into that? Would there be people fixing games? So I get why you got to come down on that pretty hard, and that's been told to you forever. That's been a case that everyone's known about who's strapped up an NFL uniform. It's been collectively bargained, all of those things. So for those three players, I understand that now for two of them Quintus Cephas and CJ Moore have already been released by the Detroit Lions so that's a tough pill to swallow for those guys it got interesting with Jamison Williams and Stanley Berryhill so those two were only suspended six games and it was because they did not bet on NFL games they just bet at the team facility now someone's Mm. gonna have to explain that to me like I'm five from the league office because Brandon we just explained totally understand the utility around not wanting guys to bet on their actual league but what this all underscores is they have a way to track and check on what they're gambling on what players are betting on i'm assuming on apps that they would be a part of that seems like it'd be the easiest way to track something like this since now you've got online gaming that's legalized in so many states if you know what people are betting on why would it matter where they are doing the gambling because brandon anybody that's been around an nfl locker room or i'd imagine a pro sports locker room in general can tell you everyone's betting on everything all of the time so if you're doing it 
shit for this antiquated notion that, oh no, this is the workplace and no one's gambling or doing anything inappropriate of the sort like that here, hasn't walked through an NFL locker room for longer than five minutes and watched guys bet hundreds of dollars on who can make their ball of tape into the garbage can from the longest distance. I, I remember being on the plane going to my first road game as a rookie during the preseason in Pittsburgh and watching two of the veterans from the front of the plane bet on whose Eminem that they dropped down the plane aisle on takeoff would roll back the farthest in the plane. People used to play Hot 20 on the plane wow. all the time where they would put in a $20 bill with your number number on it from the per diem into a pillowcase, shake it up and pick that out and the winner got the whole pot. Like That stuff happens Ooh. all the time and that's before we get to the amount of rampant gambling on college football amongst players on these teams, right? I distinctly remember 2012 at Notre Dame, a bunch of our buddies from the NFL coming back and talking about how much money we had made them that year betting on Notre Dame in the locker room with players from other teams. And so if that's what you're trying to guard against and that's the impetus behind saying, no, you can't bet on anything while you're here, it ignores the entire history of the league when it comes to that. Yeah, the fact that now they can suspend players for gambling on anything I didn't even know that was a thing, Mike, to be quite honest with you. Like, and I hate that the person that is make the the poster child of it is Jamison Williams, someone who we were robbed of early on in his career all last year. And we've been waiting on pins and needles to see make this Detroit Lions team even better. Yeah, that's the shame of it is you're going to lose a player like that. A couple of these guys, like quit the Sivas, the guys who got cut might have their careers affected by this, which is horrific. And... Brandon, it does underscore if all this. Like, we're right to ask, hey, this sounds like a dumb rule. Why are we doing it this way? I want to know how it was communicated to players in the meetings before the season because you have all these meetings where they go over all the rules and stuff in the CBA. Because if it was clearly communicated to you that, hey, doing any of this could risk you losing your checks, I'm sorry, none of these guys are good enough at gambling to supplement the loss of income from potentially getting your game checks ripped when you get suspended like this. I mean, delete the app off your phone if that's the case. Have right. a relative get really good at gambling out of nowhere, but this idea that you might risk your livelihood because you want to have a three, you know, a parlay for the middle of the Thanksgiving game, to me, that part doesn't make sense. And so it sucks the Lions a huge blow to the start of their season with Jamison Williams and what he's supposed to be for that offense. You hope these guys were able to recover, but this is the NFL piggybacking off last year with Calvin Ridley and making abundantly clear yes we are in a new era of this stuff but no we can't have that leaking over into the middle in the actual product it's hard to pass judgment when we don't know how they know what they know and exactly what the offense was so speaking of calvin ridley he was very candid in his letter uh, in the players tribune after coming back and all the things that he learned in that year but it, it, i want to be like everyone else and condemn these players for their activities, but I just don't know how they got to the point where they're suspended. Well, I wouldn't even say it's condemnation as much as it is a reminder that, yeah, questioning the rules is the right way to go about most things. We did this with the marijuana testing in the NFL for a long time, but the same reason we looked at that and kind of called it the idiot test is because if you know the specific parameters of this thing and it could lighten your pockets, then 
you probably want to avoid that even if you disagree with it. Let us fight that fight. You worry about making all this money that you put your body on the line for. That's my thought process is I want to see these guys continue to win on the field and make this life-altering sums of money, this great head start that the NFL can be for so many guys and not have that jeopardized just because you wanted to gamble inside the locker room, just because we think, especially for non-NFL sports, you should be able to does not mean then that you need to put yourself in harm's way. That's all I'm saying. By the way, Brandon, this is not the first time this year that the Lions have dealt with uh, gambling, infiltrating their building. Um, separate from these punishments, apparently several Lions staff members in various departments were dismissed last month for violating the gambling policy, a source told ESPN. Like, Dan Campbell's had a lot of things going right in that building, love the culture around there. They were a darling team last year. Apparently part of that is they are really into whatever, it, maybe DraftKings Sportsbook app that they downloaded in the offseason. <laughs> Mike, that's why I think, that's why I don't know if it's, actually gambling i feel like they're punishing people for opening apps uh on company grounds which is a thing yeah I, you know what brandon i would be curious if we'll ever get any insight into that into how exactly the league can track this like do they have access to player accounts do they have because in partnership with these gambling companies who i'd imagine also have a vested interest in monitoring and making sure that players aren't gambling on the actual nfl product and to try and make sure that everyone understands this is being done by the books and there aren't people with inside information influencing the outcome of all this maybe there's some way for them to track them because this wouldn't be something you could track years ago when it used to be under the table right. and people are using bookies. This is part of, I think, the new age and the fact that we are dealing with legalized gambling, I'd imagine. So we'll wait to see what happens. We'll now wait to see the full form of this Lions offense six games into their season. And again, we'll wait for someone to give a real or relevant, coherent answer as to why these guys betting on potentially college football or the UFC inside the locker room is something that warrants someone getting sat down for six games that part fails to make sense to me now and I doubt any explanation they're going to provide is doing it but in the meantime NFL players make sure you are talking uh to your NFL PA rep and getting a good solid explanation for what you can and can't do and meshing up your cast I saw the guys in the raw room talking about how you learn very quickly about showing up late to meetings where in college you get punishment workouts but in the NFL you could find $24,000 and realize that's not cute and no matter what you're going to make sure you're on time for those meetings Kind of got to be the same thing here. Like, Brandon, we work for a gambling company. And if they said tomorrow, hey, if you get caught gambling, we're going to take away a year of your salary. I promise you, I would be the best gambling spokesperson who has never gambled a second in his life that this company could buy. That's it's it's you can disagree with something on principle, but still yeah. protect what's yours. And that's what this is all about with these guys. But uh, I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. 
And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Brandon, uh, speaking of people getting sat down for certain things, this feels like what the NBA playoffs is going to be known for through the first round of this season, right? Like, unfortunately, where we're at has been injuries and flagrant fouls so far this NBA postseason. And that got taken to new heights this weekend when we got the latest installment in LeBron James versus Dylan Brooks uh, in game three of that series. Dylan Brooks, who came in talking a hot mess of you-know-what about LeBron James is old and I don't respect anyone who doesn't put 40 on me and I wish I could have played against him when he was with the Heat. That would have actually been a challenge. Got ejected for Ooh. flicking LeBron, uh, for, I guess, hand-tapping, nut-tapping LeBron James in the middle of a play, striking him in the lower groin region or whatever TV euphemism they had to say and getting ejected basically, I think, a minute into the third quarter and now uh, won't get sat down for game four, which is its own separate conversation coming off the Draymond Green suspension in Game 3 of that Golden State series where you had him get suspended for stomping on Sabonis' chest. You had Joel Embiid not getting a flagrant two or getting thrown out of the game for trying to kick up at Nick Claxton's groin, but then James Harden thrown out in the same game for a flagrant two for a similar move of what Dylan Brooks pulled off. That's what I mean is that it's not only become known for this, Brandon, but it's become so inconsistent that by the time we got to the Dylan Brooks portion of this and they're like, yeah, he's probably not going to get suspended for game four. I'm like, I I really... I can't keep track of what the NBA's moving target for a flagrant two-worthy or suspension-worthy play is, right? Because if you're going to take them off recent precedent with Draymond Green, then one would indicate that maybe a history of this kind of behavior nets you a little bit of a different ruling, right? Because you've got Dylan Brooks as a guy with Draymond Green's reputation or history of these kinds of events. This was Dylan Brooks' second postseason ejection. He got ejected last year for the play that injured Gary Payton the second. He's also had his, this is his third ejection of the season, which tied Marcus Smart and Malik Monk for the most in the regular season this year. And even had the temerity, the unmitigated gall after to complain and say that part of what's happening is because he's been given the villain label by fans and members of the media. Brandon, he said after practice today, this is Tim McMahon from ESPN tweeted this. He thinks his perception influenced the flagrant two call. He said, quote, the media making me a villain, the fans making me a villain. That just creates another persona on me. The gall to step out with that for the guy that rolled up and said what he said about LeBron James at multiple stops along the way and has seemed to pride himself on being a cartoon character of a villain and had the nerve to grow that goatee and think people wouldn't catch on to the villain status. That, to me, I mean, was... It would be a chef's kiss work of villain class if it wasn't so sad because he played kind of a dud of a game while he was out there in Game 3, too. Yeah, Mike, but him at his height is a dud of a game. Like, he is... As LeBron said, a bum by design in DNA. But I, I, listen, one of the best things about this whole thing is that LeBron James is the beneficiary of 
being the smartest basketball player on the floor. Because one of the things that they mentioned in the Draymond Green ejection is that Sabonis, in the way that he carried on on the ground, crawling around like a slug, was one of the reasons why it led to the ejection and obviously Draymond Green getting in it to the fans and things like that. But it is the sell of the injury, Mike. And regardless of LeBron James's testes uh, getting hit or not and how bad they may have hurt when Dylan Brooks actually poked the proverbial bear, LeBron James stayed on the court for what felt like when we stopped the, the the play for him when he had the scoring title over Kareem. Like, he milked that thing, and as a result, Dylan Brooks was ejected for the game. We said this. You are 100% based on the how we've seen these moments officiated. You are 100% incentivized by the NBA and the way they're doing business right now to have a big, strong reaction if you're the person getting hit. Because clearly, that plays some role in all of this. It would have been a real master class if LeBron James had gone to the podium after and said that this was bigger than basketball and that he's a father and a husband and his testes influence a lot of lives. (laughs) That would have been the way to really draw this thing out and get him... If he wanted him suspended for Game 4, that's what LeBron James needed to do. But as many Lakers fans have pointed out, Maybe you actually do kind of want Dylan Brooks out there for game four the way that he was playing. Yeah, I mean, well, the Grizzlies are kind of imploding in front of us, it seems like. Like, we're not really seeing great basketball uh, out of the people that we need to say great, great basketball out of. We're talking about this ejection of Dylan Brooks in a game where the Memphis Grizzlies scored nine points in the first quarter to start this game like there's enough elements and factors and variables going on where we didn't really have to talk about this but in the saga in this soap opera uh, playoff series that we have between the Memphis Grizzlies and LeBron James that started with Shannon Sharp and his sweater ends up with this yeah it does and it's been a consistent through line we've talked about how this Memphis Grizzlies team outside of John Morant's very real life off the court and the things that have popped up on the court has sort of found their way into this young brash team that before it was kind of cool and now is bordered on kind of annoying for some people over time after their series against Golden State last year. That gave them this bravado and Dylan Brooks is kind of seen as their version of Draymond Green in the way he talks, but not in the way that he affects basketball on the court. And that's where this starts to fall apart is the Grizzlies on the court were one of the top three seeds in the West all year. And then obviously all the John Morant stuff happened and it kind of clouded our vision on that. And now we're seeing... Oh, okay, yeah, the way things shook out injury-wise, the Lakers team trajectory-wise, all these things, why the Western Conference is a little bit more mixed bag than ever, that team falling apart, him not being someone who's going to go out there and meaningfully contribute to winning after he goes out and talks like that is where this starts to lose its comparison there because... You're right, Brandon, in that we've talked about this a lot more because personality sells, all the reasons we've talked about, and it's been the one consistent thing. But then you fast forward and look over at the Golden State series where Draymond did get suspended for Game 3. So again, if you flick someone in the testes with no priors like James Harden, you don't get suspended for the next game. If you stomp on someone's chest and you do have priors like Draymond Green does, you've got this reputation, then you get suspended for a game. But if you flick someone in the nuts and you've got the reputation, apparently that doesn't warrant suspension. So this is an attack on testicles as much as it is anything else and a confusing (laughs) indictment of the NBA's 
inability to officiate and regulate this in a way that has any sort of consistency. And I think that's frustrating because right now it seems like it's sort of vibes based. However, the NFL NBA feels that day is what they're going to do judgment wise in these situations. And early on one round into the playoffs, we've got enough, enough of a sample size to be thoroughly confused by how they've done that. But where he dropped the ball quite literally is where Draymond Green picked it up in uh, game four of that series. So the Warriors are really interesting as far as their force in the postseason. They come in game three and bail out the NBA big time. Because we said Draymond Green getting suspended sucked because it created this built-in excuse. If things continued the way they had been going at that point where Sacramento looked like they were going to be the better team in that series. But Golden State went back home and they managed to win game three without Draymond Green, and so enter game four, and now this really comes full circle and reminds you how important Draymond's been in so many ways to this Golden State team, whether it was his decision or his suggestion that he start uh, the game coming off the bench. Brandon, I don't know if you saw that, but he started off the bench uh, and when asked about it after the game, said he actually went to Steve Kerr and suggested that after watching game three and said, there's never, I don't want to ever have an entitlement to my starting position if it's not what's best for the team. Said he looked mm. out, saw the way they won in game three, said if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but then goes back out there in the game and especially in the fourth quarter, Brandon, we saw the exact reason so many people were frustrated with Draymond losing his cool to begin with in that other game because right. his defense down the stretch in that fourth quarter absolutely was a a huge part of Golden State holding on and winning that game. He is a meaningful, impactful player within the body of that team. We know he's not the most, but what he does defensively at his size and the utility that it gives that team defensively has been a massive part of their dynasty. And having him back out on the court underscored that. So in other words, He talked his talk and then he backed it up and Dylan Brooks did not. And we've talked about loving people that are bold enough to go out there and talk their stuff, but there's always going to be that other caveat of, all right, if you do it, you're building a pretty big target on your back, which means the onus is on you to go out and deliver. And we've seen Draymond Green do that now and do it before, certainly in a way that underscores his impact on the game. And now here for Dylan Brooks, we're kind of starting to see, okay, this is probably a lot more bark than bite at this point in a way that might be reflected once we get to the offseason and he approaches free agency. Yeah, I mean, he's made his bed and he's going to lie in it, Mike. But I think what you're alluding to or talking about is the just every team is built differently, right? And when, when Dylan Brooks was first talking trash to Draymond Green, he he said, yeah, you know, he's he knows the defense pretty well. And Draymond on his podcast is like, I built the defense. Like, like this is this is my thing that I'm executing, right? Like, I think there's a, a reality to uh, the, the differences in these individual teams and how they're made up. And Draymond Green is this battery pack to this entire team in some very strange reason, even to the point of him being coming off the bench to the his teammate who he punched in the face preseason. Like, like this is – you know what I mean? And, and yeah. the way Jordan Poole has been playing when he gets an opportunity to play. So, yes, uh, I, I. but I also want to highlight the fact that it saved the NBA playoffs because this Warriors team is equally yoked and matched with this Kings team. And, and De'Aaron Fox and everything we're seeing over there with Malik Monk coming off the bench. And 
the basketball we're seeing, even though it's just a bunch of threes, Mike, which would be really boring if it wasn't the Warriors that seem to be making these threes, and obviously the, the Kings can match, It's it seems like this is the saving grace of the playoffs. In the Western Conference, you have the drama of the Lakers playing against the Memphis Grizzlies, and you have the actual quality basketball with the Golden State Warriors against the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I think you're right. This series has had to carry a lot of the weight because you look out at the rest of the playoffs, right? Boston up 3-1 against Atlanta, um, which, by the way, uh, the plot thickens there too. Uh, I saw this on Twitter earlier. Uh, at home team, Bleak pointed out that State Farm Arena is double booked for Thursday when game six could potentially be there. Janet Jackson's doing two nights uh, in Atlanta. Uh-huh. Janet Jackson, Thursday, April 27th at 7.45. The Boston Celtics uh, at Atlanta Hawks. Game six, if necessary, Thursday time TBD. So uh, you want to talk about the script already being written. Apparently, we missed the memo on that one for Atlanta. But the Knicks are up 3-1 on Cleveland, which is awesome. It's a great, you know, New York basketball is one of those things. Getting excited about the fans. Easy to sell there. Philly already had the sweep there. And we've got Joel Embiid injured, potentially going to miss early time in the next series. Miami up 2-1 on Milwaukee. Because Giannis has been out for the last couple of games. The Lakers up on the Grizzlies. Phoenix up 3-1 on the Clippers, who are dealing with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George out. Denver in the Timberwolves series, which may have fallen in the woods, but I don't know if anyone heard it. And then Golden State, this series tied 2-2 with a Golden State team, Brandon, that kind of is a great launch pad right they were able to incubate and launch this Grizzlies team into stardom when they played them in a tough series because the Warriors the proven commodity that we know they've been the through line in this era of basketball and so when a team goes out and has success against them all of a sudden it becomes a lot more important the rest of us all look and go all right if you're playing with them then we can respect you and we can expect things out of you now and so that's kind of what's happening for Sacramento here and we talked about going into the postseason they needed because the regular season just does not carry that cachet anymore. And being right. third seed in the Western Conference coming off the regular season is only going to make people trust you so much. But now we're getting this kind of competitive series. You're getting a star being born in De'Aaron Fox who's really having his moment, what he's becoming known for in the fourth quarter, the NBA's clutch player of the year. All of those things, win or lose now in this series because it's been so competitive and one that everyone's lining up to say, I'll take seven of those. You're set up in a position now where Sacramento is going to have the same opportunity that Memphis has had. And what are we seeing from Memphis is, man, that sophomore album's really hard. Like to be the team that comes on and makes some noise and gets everyone excited. That's yeah. fun. But replicating that over and over again, it's why there is an appreciation, even if it comes with some annoyance, for someone like Draymond Green, who's been a part of this machine for so long and does have this reputation because we've seen him do it, but also understand that they've been able to win in so much part because of what he's done. And so now we're seeing, thankfully, Sacramento, I think, get some of their respect through Golden State, which is kind of like this conduit. They're they're helping other teams get their glow up and get called up to the next level of NBA stardom. They won the championship last year, Mike. They're the reigning champs, so anything that they do is going to be talked about. But the fact that they almost gave that game away – Steve Curry, uh, or Steve Curry, Stephen Curry had his Chris Webber moment, you know, calling oh. a timeout when when they had none. Uh, I think, and obviously the Warriors are so close as a team, they're pointing fingers to say like, "Oh, that was on me, that was on me, that was on me." And then you got the possible revenge 
three-pointer that Harrison Barnes just misses at the end of that game, which, which he should have made. He was which, wide well, open. I mean, he should have made that, but Mike Brown's got to put his hand up on that too. They had a timeout with 10 seconds left to go after they caught the rebound off a Curry miss on the other end and then only needed two. They were down one with 10 seconds left. And the play they drew up was essentially De'Aaron Fox trying to go ISO up top. He ends up getting sort of trapped by Steph Curry and Draymond Green and then throws it to a wide open Harrison Barnes for three that they didn't need. Like, they needed a better play drawn up to get them two that they didn't get in that moment either. So there were plenty of mistakes down the stretch for both of those teams. You're absolutely right. Yeah, but I just I do love that these Warriors teams are different and new. Uh, you heard during the broadcast, uh, Mike Brown joking with Steve Kerr. He's like, oh, everyone says you know this team so well. He's like, I don't know these guys. Uh, but I, I – I'm like you said, like we're talking about. I'm just glad that we have something that's that's holding us because the rest of it has been round one playoff basketball, which isn't bad. It's just usually we wait till later on to get this involved. The rest of it's felt more like the NFL, where it's just who's the healthiest team on the court. Okay, let's mm. you know sim this game to the end. Because between that and all the fouls, that's really been the conversation of this first round. Golden State and Sacramento have actually given us the basketball portion to be excited about. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Brandon, speaking of excitement, let's get to some roses. We're coming off the weekend. We had a lot of things go on here. Every week, we give away our roses on Monday to deserving performers, uh, Bachelor and Bachelorette style, if this is your first time around the program here. Brandon, I want to start this off um, with a stat. I feel like we should call it the Tungsten Arm O'Doyle Shohei Atani baseball stat of the week anytime <laughs> it comes up. Um if courtesy of at baseball doesn't exist on Twitter said the third time through the order batters are hitting zero against Shohei Itani over the course of this season, his overall, and this is, uh, you know, uh, I, I think off MLB.com, his overall opponent batting average is 0.092. It's the lowest through five starts since the mound moved back to 60 feet, six inches in 1893, according to MLB.com. And dating back to last year, Shohei's allowed no more than three hits and nine consecutive starts. The second longest such streak in history. Jacob deGrom did it for 10 in 2021. So the guy who's already been a unicorn in so many ways continues to just advance his own legacy is Shohei Itani. I love it. 
I love it. And I also love that every time he visits an opposing stadium, everyone goes nuts and thinks like, oh, he wants to be here. Like when he was re- recently at the Yankees stadium and he says it's very electric here. You know, every, you know, Brandon, whatever you he saw, loves to play there. You saw that report last week that there's – you know, people that believe that if the Angels are out of playoff contention, Otani could be dealt at the trade deadline to a contender. Ooh. Lift up the energy into the Shohei Otani spirit bomb and get him playing baseball in October. Please, God in heaven. Brandon, who is your first rose going to? I got to give it to Gervonta Davis, uh, a.k.a. Tank Davis, who took out Ryan Garcia in the seventh round. Um, I think it was 140, uh, 144 left in the seventh round when Garcia went down in a KO, uh, took a body shot really nice, Mike. This is a 136-pound uh, bout between these two guys, and I usually don't want to pay boxing any mind unless they're heavyweights at, uh, at play, but he talked to Big's talk. He's from Baltimore, Maryland. The reason I'm bringing it up is, I know you haven't seen The Wire, but there's this famous character, Cuddy, who was in The Wire, and... The actor who, in preparation of getting ready for this character, went to a boxing gym in Baltimore and was seeing how a legendary trainer was interacting with children. And a seven-year-old boxer was hitting way too hard and got his attention. That person ended up growing up to be Tank Davis, uh, who showed that uh, that power punching Ryan Garcia in the side. And I just love stories like that, Mike, because he is known to be one of the hardest hitters in boxing, regardless of his size. And to see that, uh, you know, that origin story of that tied to one of the best shows ever created, I think that was pretty cool. So I wanted to share that story. Respect on that to kids going out and embarrassing adults. Um, I would say auxiliary (laughs) rose in that regard. Did you see the video uh, that JJ Redick put out of his son Knox beating Josh Hart in a three-point shooting contest the other day? No. Yes. The Josh Hart, the 19.7 rebounds for the yes. next Josh Hart? J.J. J. Redick, by the way, a sick man who put that out immediately after the Knicks game four win over the Cleveland Cavaliers, where Josh Hart played incredible, getting humbled by JJ's son. And if they did two spot, two shots at five spots around the three point arc and JJ's son beat him, I think by two makes over the course of the whole way around Josh Hart immediately Stugatz is strong in him mentioned how sore he was from the other night, how many minutes he logged, who he was guarding here, had he play uh, by him. So Shout out to Knox Reddick, who apparently already has his dad's stroke. Shout, oh, my gosh. I love that, Mike. Um, also, shout out to Josh Hart, who I was, you know, back when I lived in L.A., Marina Del Rey. He was playing for the Lakers. We were at a uh, Shake Shack in Marina Del Rey right as it opened, and he was sitting there outside waiting on his Uber. And I walked up to him to say something and then thought better of it. Wait, is that the end of the story? Yep. <laughs> Shout out to him. Shout out to him. For I let, I let him Shout out hey. to you for letting yeah, him like, enjoy hey, his burger and go about his day in peace. Bro, in LA, you pat yourself on the back for the day, the times you let celebrities live. So, <laughs> Please give Brandon his flowers for giving Josh Hart his peace. Um, Brandon, my next rose... I want to give to the anonymous NFL scout who dubbed Anthony Richardson's arm a quote effing ham cannon 
So we see every year before um, draft season, a lot of quotes come out from anonymous NFL scouts. NFL.com put one together about a lot of the quarterbacks in the first round, players going through there. And it's the usual stuff about a lot of these guys. There were a lot of actually glowing things said about Anthony Richardson, how he gets this label of raw prospect that kind of ignores a lot of the things that he naturally does very well inside the pocket areas of his game that are a little bit more polished. But this was the gem when one scout said, you're getting an extremely talented dude with an effing ham cannon. And man, he is an athlete. He's tough. He's everything you're looking for. Brandon, I can promise you this. When I'm back in the booth with Learfield this fall calling games on radio, I'm going to find a way to work ham cannon into every game. As fat as I am, I never thought of combining those two things. Because usually with the arm, it's some sort of weapon, right? It's a howitzer. I think I heard... um, I heard... um, Charlie, the producer on of uh, Debatable on ESPN, but also on uh, Bamani Jones, or excuse me, on Dominic Foxworth podcast, call his arm a trebuchet. Like usually, we do that with Ooh. high, like high velocity weapons. Putting yes. actual meat products into the arm that speaks first of all to the heart and soul of our show, but second off to great potent draft analysis and maybe the first quote from an anonymous scout that I was actually happy to hear. Yes, absolutely, Mike, and also very illustrative right Right. you think of like everyone knows what a ham looks like from orphans to the most privileged of whites like we excuse me i'm sorry i shouldn't even but (laughs) to see a ham get shot out of a cannon and to think about anthony richard's arm and then his pro day he had not pro day but uh, his his combine had but it's pro day, but the combine, like when, when everyone was watching, you know, like but remember I think- at pro day, he aired out the ham cannon and threw it up to hit off the ceiling of the indoor at Florida, <laughs> trying to one up Will Levis, who did that at Kentucky's pro day. So that was where he actually unleashed the ham cannon. I understand that, Mike, but we were focused on. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I thank you for the ham cannon. I will but- say. This is now free advertising for any team that does draft Anthony Richardson is you've got to have a ham cannon at games now, right? We've seen so many different kinds of hot dog cannons on the sideline, t-shirt cannons. You've got to just have balls of ham inside of tinfoil, which sounds incredibly dangerous, but also now highly necessary in this environment. You've been given a gift, and now you've got to go out here and make sure, like it says in the Bible, you don't put a lamp under a bushel basket, and you don't holster a ham cannon. You fire that thing off with reckless abandon. (laughs) Thank you for quoting the Bible, Mike. Now I don't have to this episode. Um, My second rose goes to Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis, Mike, Anthony Davis, who isn't the leading scorer for the Lakers in the postseason. It is King LeBron James, but they have officially crowned him as the number one scorer for that team in this game three against the Memphis Grizzlies. He was two rebounds and two points shy of a double-double after the first quarter. He ended up with 31 points, 17 rebounds, two blocks, two steals. Uh, he he didn't do well from the three-point, but he had 39 minutes, Mike. Like, was out there so much, so long. Obviously, Rui was doing his thing as well, but Davis joined Tim Duncan, Hakeem Olajuwon, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the only players since 1973 in the playoffs to start the playoffs in with three games with at least 65 points, 35 rebounds and 15 blocks. 
He has 15 blocks in this series. Like what he's doing on the defensive end is is very is highlight should be highlighted as much as what is he doing on the offensive end. And I don't know if I, I try to temper my excitement when it comes to Anthony Davis because at any point in time he could break a fingernail and be out for a few a whole series. But right now, what we've seen at the beginning of this thing, you got to give him his flowers. I think it's a great point, especially going into this game because remember with Game Four. We had all the, or game three, excuse me, we had all of this buildup around LeBron James and Dylan Brooks. And right. LeBron James had a good showing by his standards, yeah. but he didn't really have to go off and do the thing in this game because this team is at their best when Anthony Davis is being that guy right now. It's what LeBron knew, acknowledged, and I believe wanted when he came over to the Lakers. It's like eventually the best version of this is going to be when I hand the baton to you. And it's been a clumsy handoff, but so far through this series, you're absolutely right. We probably don't extend enough Grace 80's way. It's the high bar that's been set by guys like Giannis, guys like Jason Tatum, all yeah. of these freak show athletes who influence both ends of the floor, Joel Embiid, obviously, in such a way that we expect that now when you're the star player on a team without acknowledging that that's a pretty difficult and taxing exercise. But Anthony Davis has looked up to it for most of this series. Yeah, and I'm excited to see what what happens moving forward because obviously, it sounds so stupid to say, but better competition is to come, you know, and, and we'll get a real chance to see if these Lakers, you know, we imagine they're going to get through the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't want to be so, you know, uh, future telling, but I, I would like to see and I can't wait to see the Lakers more fatigued against better competition later on in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and it seems like they're going to get that chance, man. Like, despite John Morant's best efforts going for 40-plus in this last game, it just doesn't seem like the Grizzlies have that gas. And so I would expect the Lakers to be moving on. And we've said it about the West. We talked to J.J. Reddick going into the postseason. You could probably have seven, te seven different teams from the West that you could justify as representing that conference. Denver's looked the part. We've mentioned that very few people have really watched or talked about those games because for the right. most part, they've handled business. And like Boston... And, you know, like Boston, you know, Milwaukee, obviously the injury kind of skews that, but they've looked like what we saw through the regular season so far. And the Lakers look like what we saw through the back half of the regular season mm. so far. So we'll wait and see uh, how that shakes out at Gojo Show on Twitter if we missed any worthwhile Rose candidates. Brandon, we mentioned the anonymous scouts. It's a good time to remind everybody it is draft week now. We are going to be uh, heading out to Boston. So me, Dad, and Charlotte Wilder are going to be out in Boston at DraftKings headquarters doing an NFL draft show, night one of the NFL draft on Thursday. So you're going to want to check that out. Plenty of other great folks from VSEN, you know, Michael Lombardi uh, and the crew over at GM Shuffle, uh, Emerson and Jesse from The Sweat. Going to be a whole group effort. We're going to be on scene there, breaking down and reacting to all the picks in round one of the NFL draft. So very fired up about that. Going to do some other fun stuff that we'll be able to tell you about here coming up in the next few days. A little mock draft action. Plenty of stuff that we're going to be a part of out seeing everyone at, uh, at DraftKings HQ. And Brandon, the real reason we know draft week's getting started is because we've already already got a re-up on some of our old favorites uh courtesy of ian rapaport yesterday after a dormant couple of weeks the jets and packers recently re-engaged on trade talks surrounding star quarterback aaron Rodgers. sources say a deal is mm. not eminent but the two sides are at least talking with hopes a deal can parentheses finally be done this week um this is what we've talked about with a number of stories is deadlines drive results and while 
none of the deadlines, whether it's Lamar Jackson's contract situation or this trade with Aaron Rodgers, are necessarily tied to any hard date right now. The draft in some ways is a deadline because it's another place where you've got to expend capital. And it's how you want to balance this out as a team. And so for the Green Bay Packers, we've always said this decision and how much leverage they want to have or maintain with Aaron Rodgers is going to be based on how willing they are to subvert their happiness a little bit for this season. Because if they're willing to wait till after the draft, they can make this very uncomfortable for the Jets. They can try and take this thing all the way up till training camp, really keep him out of their building past the June 1st date that gives them some financial flexibility and have the pendulum swing back their way. That would come at the expense of getting draft capital back in this year's draft that they could use to fill out the roster around Jordan Love, try and go to bat more for that defense, maybe draft you know a high-end uh, offensive caliber weapon despite Aaron Rodgers on the way out. All these things that are a decision they've got to make relative to the price that they want to get back for a guy who's been one of the best players in franchise history, and that all gets started this week. Uh, in addition to, Brandon, your boy, Jimmy G, woo, apparently woo, not woo. so safe with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, Dave Ziegler, the GM of the Las Vegas Raiders, was talking to the reporters in a pre-draft media availability and said... They're not opposed to taking a quarterback in this draft. They have the number seven pick in the draft. And he said, quote, they're open to having a competition at the quarterback position and every other position on the roster. I mean, Brandon, we know how people deal with quarterbacks in the NFL. It generally tends to be kid gloves. They generally tend to act like any hint of competition yep. is going to affect the delicate psyche in, the, psyche in these high-end competitors' brains in a way that constantly seems to blow my mind. But in this case, this seems like, on the other side, so candid and honest that I actually believe it. Like, I don't know why yeah. you'd say this after spending the money that you did on Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason, which we've always pointed out. Three years, $72.75 million in the way that the guarantee structures are settled in that doesn't necessarily stop you from being in the quarterback conversation at the top of this draft. And my oh my, would the late Al Davis be fist pumping somewhere in the great beyond if this team in particular got froggy and jumped for the Anthony Richardson bone, right? Like we just talked about the ham cannon. That would have yes. been such an old school Raiders pick. And football-wise would land him in a situation where with Jimmy G on the roster, there's not pressure to get him on the field in year one. And so now all of a sudden, we've got one team in the mix as we've had so many of the headlines over the last couple of weeks trying to put out this idea, Adam Schefter and Dan Orlovsky on NFL Live, making a bet over will four, two, more than two quarterbacks go in the top four which would require some trade action to happen. And maybe this indicates that the Las Vegas Raiders are at least a little bit willing to play. Well, sitting at the fourth pick, Mike, is the Colts, correct? Yep. And Jim Ursay famously said this weekend, everyone's talking and everyone's lying right now. You can't believe anything that's said. But I have to agree and believe the GM of the Raiders that they would pick a, uh, a quarterback. And everyone is up to everyone's up to, to be traded or pushed around. Like the Raiders are one of the worst teams in football. They should be drafting their team in their mind. Well, they should be. And Brandon, it's a great reminder, right, that 
it would also benefit the Raiders for teams to think, hey, if a quarterback starts to slide, they would be in the mix of taking a guy. If people believe Will right. Levis may fall in this year's draft. And now all of a picks. sudden, you think you're going to, yeah, exactly. Stack some mm-hmm. more picks, add to the roster. All that stuff would absolutely make sense. And Lord knows if there's any quarterback that's not really going to bat an eye if you'd start talking about bringing in his replacement, it's Jimmy Garoppolo, who just spent however My long guy. in San Francisco trying to be replaced and somehow, some way, like, Michael Myers in those damn Halloween movies, piano music in the background, just continuing to haunt you because you didn't kill him twice. Mike, he would still be with the Patriots if he wasn't so good and and they had to move him. He was perfectly fine being a backup. He loves it. He does. He just, guy just wants to sit out here, be a great vibes guy, be handsome as hell and have one of the best jobs in the world. And you all keep making him go out here and start football games. Hell, maybe it was Draymond Green style walking into Steve Kerr and saying, we should bring me off the bench today. Jimmy Garoppolo walking into Dave Ziegler's (laughs) office and being like, you know what? These guys are pretty good. I've been watching them. You should probably draft one of these guys. Like, what are we doing here? Last point on this whole thing. You're absolutely right. Uh, last point of this whole thing, the fact that Brock Purdy did what he did last year, every quarterback pick in the draft. I mean, you look at Kirk Cousins in oh. RG3 year. Every pick in the draft is important for every team, Mike. It has to be. I can't wait for the post-draft articles. Which late-round quarterback has a chance to be this year's Brock Purdy? Book it, cut it, print it. Someone's editor, I'll save you the time. That headline is coming. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Brandon, we got headlines that we need to get out here. Uh, yes. By the way, Brandon, I will say this. Before we get to this, that, and the third, three quick stories to finish off the day here and launch us into the rest of NFL Draft Week, we've been changing some things up structurally around the show here. We'll be able to yes. explain more pretty soon. And one of the changes has been Brandon no longer doing the sung intro to this, that, and the third every day. And Brandon, I don't know if we have gotten more reviews, notes, or tweets about anything else in recent mes- res- uh, in recent history than we have about you no longer singing on this, that, and the third. I appreciated someone thinking of your feelings. It was Z Holter on the iTunes reviews. Saying, okay, so obviously doing a song every day became taxing. Can I please suggest it at least once a week? Or can we just AI it? The bots are coming for you, Brandon Jarrell Newman. So they used your government name because they're deadly serious about wanting to hear your voice on the mic. I appreciate it. Everyone who has mentioned that they miss hearing my soulful song uh, leading us into this, that, and the third. Or whatever hard rock Thing I want to uh, give to people. I do appreciate it, and I and I miss it as much as you. And no, it wasn't too much. I'm a machine at singing. I sing all day long. Uh, but things are changing. Uh, we don't have rights to these music uh, that we're using, and we have to think about the future. 
I think we're gonna find a way to get it back in there at least once. I we we're what? a show that wa- we're a show that wants to give the people what they want, Brandon. We've got to try and work on a way to make this happen. People deserve to be happy. You make them happy doing this. It makes you happy doing this. This should Listen, make sense. This should work. As long as we get reviews asking where's this, that, and the third, the algorithm is fed and the show succeeds. You know what? It's just a reminder, guys. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us that five-star rating. And tell Brandon how much you missed this, that, and the third song so we can make him work on a way to get this back into all of our lives. But, Brandon, let's get to three quick stories on the way out uh, for the day here. Let's start with this. USC got themselves a big old bear. Uh, Alexander uh, Bear Alexander is the name of now former Georgia defensive tackle prospect. The former five-star was the 56th-ranked prospect in the 2022 recruiting class and announced that he, after entering the transfer portal, is going to head out to Southern Cal and play for USC. He said, quote, I mean, it's Lincoln Riley. Just watch their production from last year. They lost two games, barely lost to Utah. If Caleb Williams wasn't hurt, they would definitely have been in that. It's Lincoln Riley, and I'm excited to go play for that guy. Now, I would ask him how he felt about the production on the other side of the ball, but Brandon, right. clearly this young man not lacking for confidence, I'm sure thinks he can go over into Alex Grinch's defense and be the difference maker because he had an all-time quote to ESPN. He said, not to brag on myself, but everybody wants the big bear. Everybody needs a big 300-pounder that can move with the twitch, the burst, the explosion that I bring to the game. Everyone needed that as a part of their defense when asked about the other teams that recruited him while he was in the portal. Bear Alexander is going to be on every all-name team, and it's nice to see when the name actually matches up with what the person's skill set is on the field. App uh, App State had an offensive lineman named Bear Hunter, which was even more perfect, but this is absolutely a worthy contender. Yeah, uh, speaking of that, Mike, we still are waiting to see General Booty out there on the field. But based on his name, he's probably going to be Cheeks. Got to worry about that when it comes to the booty. So we wish Bear Alexander uh, very well. Uh, This is kind of for Brandon Georgia, I think – a Kentucky basketball problem from a few years back when Cal's got so many for you future first round picks that come in that hardly yeah. any of them. I mean, you look around the NBA playoffs this first round and you could see Cal at every game because it's just former Kentucky dudes out here balling yeah. right now. It's a reminder yeah. of the fact that he was going to final fours every other year for a stretch and just pumping guys into the first round of drafts. And the book always was you'd come to Kentucky and you kind of have to sacrifice a little bit of your own top end production in order to fit into what they're doing that's exactly what it's been for Georgia defensively where we get guys like Nolan Smith Jalen Carter last year who was in a rotation with Jordan Davis and others you're never gonna be the one guy dominating the bulk of the snaps especially in that front seven and apparently Bear didn't feel like waiting around for his turn we'll say usually that works out pretty well for guys that wait around at Georgia and want to do the thing but Everyone's journey is their own. Wish you well, Bear. Wish you well. Brandon, you mentioned General Booty, who is uh, playing quarterback at Oklahoma. Kyler Murray went back to Oklahoma and got himself a nice statue out in front of the stadium. He joined the other seven Heisman – or the other six Heisman Trophy winners on that roster. He is the seventh Heisman Trophy winner at Oklahoma. I am not going to make any short jokes about the statue, but I will say it was nice that the Cardinals and a lot of their new staff, Jonathan Gannon and their GM, all went out to support their quarterback, trying to start off on a better foot relationship-wise than Cliff Kingsbury left with. Mike, I think that's a, another big mistake by the front office for the Cardinals. 
if anything, y'all need to be focusing on the draft and going to figure out who y'all going to fill the slot when Kyler Murray uh, inevitably, I'm not even going to get into it. But yes, they, they did the thing where he felt seen and important, but let's be real. They need to be moving on because Kyler Murray's uh, statue status is definitely in the past, in my opinion. Oof, man. He was so much fun in Oklahoma, though, dude. Like, it, I know we've had a lot of qualms about his NFL life where he's still a highlight machine and it just hasn't produced to the level that we wanted. I remember the first time we got to know him on the field at Oklahoma, they put him uh, in for a play late in the game for Baker Mayfield, and he broke off like an 80-yard touchdown run. And all you saw was Baker running down the sideline, getting ready to celebrate with him. And that was when we all perked up and went, oh, is this guy might be better, huh? And, you know, Kyler Murray is a Texas high school football legend. Like, the way right. people talk about his reputation in that state is unbelievable. But uh, he was an incredibly exciting college player. And seven Heisman Trophy winners at Oklahoma. The amount of Heisman trophies that Lincoln Riley pumped out of that place alone, just insane. So congratulations on the statue. And uh, good luck to the Cardinals. Uh, I hope this works out for you. Caleb Williams, another former o- OU backup. Finding, finding his way and uh, adding another one to the hardware there. Uh, Lincoln Riley, uh, the man's got who I think was notably absent from the uh, statue unveiling around there for obvious reasons. Uh, Brandon, let's get to the third. This one, man, I was so jealous of the full cast crew. Shout out to everyone over at Meadowlark, Spencer Hall, and the gang. We're in Myrtle Beach for the World's Strongest Man competition Ooh. that went down this year. And we had a first Mitchell Hooper became the first Canadian-born competitor to win the World's Strongest Man. Um, He held off uh, Great Britain's Tom Stoltman from winning back-to-back World's Strongest Man titles. Stoltman finished in second. And uh, Hooper came into this basically. I think he finished eighth last year. It was his first competition. uh, Gets the win this year. Brandon, watching the World's Strongest Man a Kid was one of my favorite things on earth to do, whether it was on ESPN2 or the days when I think it was on CBS Sports for a little while. My Uncle Bob was a commentator for that. I need to throw my hat in the ring. I want to go and be a commentator for the World's Strongest Man next year. Watching big, burly lads go out there and just ham cannon the shit out of weird-shaped rocks all over the place is a dream. That is my next career goal after getting to call the Nathan's hot dog contest is now getting to add world's strongest man to the list. Mike shouts out to Hooper. Uh, I completely agree with you. I, I actually blame, I'm such a big fan of the world's strongest man. I blame them for my lack of football prowess because I was just trying to be the, the strongest MOB SOB uh, out there. And I missed my window. Cause I, sh- I wanted to just, grab big boulders and put them on on taller platforms and and wear big belts brandon you are the perfect build for this too like you with the atlas stones because of your center of gravity would be incredible thank you mike and i'm i'm glad that you said it because you know i can only big up myself so much but but yeah shouts out to him my my window is passed but i'd love oh boots on the ground while you're calling be a little sideline reporter for some man meat that's what i mean man big meaty men slapping meat out here what more could you want it's a hoss convention it's a all that chalk oh it's the one one of the things i miss most about working out in college and working out in a professional environment is ready access to workout chalk and a space where it's not taboo to do so because i couldn't imagine going into the 24-hour fitness that i work out in now and chalking the hell out of that place 
in a college weight room, just being able to get that all over yourself, mm. smack it around. You get the LeBron James pregame style effect before you go and try and ragdoll some weight. It really gets you mentally prepared. Like smelling salts are obviously at the top of the food chain when it comes to things that get you hype for a sports related setting. But I would argue just getting to chalk up for something alone got my blood pumping in a way that moved weight. Yeah, why don't more pitchers? And I know, uh, uh, what's the the who's the picture for the uh, the Mets? His name escaped me right now. He's got in trouble for some sticky tape. Uh, it's uh, was it Scherzer? Yeah, Scherzer. Scherzer. Scherzer was was got had a had a little kerfuffle about you know getting having sticky on his hand. Well, I guess you can't put what. Yeah, you can put some white chalk on that ball. It just helps. It just helps the grip. It well, yeah, really they- like I wanna I wanna say that it's like extra and like it's more like LeBron James like just fanfare and drama, but it really does help you just grab onto those inanimate objects. Oh, no, it absolutely helps. And even if it's somewhat placebo effect, more than worth it. I wish we had more, like, we could chalk up at more jobs in life. Like, you're getting ready to go into a, on a sales call, and you just chalk up to hold the hell out of that phone. Chalk up before a PowerPoint presentation. Imagine how powerful you'd feel addressing that room, just getting hype. We used to, like, our strength coach, uh, Ruben Mendoza was the strength coach when we first got to Notre Dame. And when we would go to max out on something to try and put up the most weight we possibly could, he would ask you the question, do you want some heat? Where in addition yes. to getting chalked up, probably taking way too much C4 in the pre-workout and getting hyped with your teammates, he would come and just smack the ever-loving hell out of the side of your rib cage. Like I used to watch guys try and max bench like 450 pounds and walk away with a giant bear paw print on their rib cage. That also, imagine that now in a corporate setting where you could hire someone Terry Tate office linebacker style. Like, hey, yes. I got this big interview. I'm trying for a promotion this month. I need to go here on 10 right now. And all of a sudden you get, um, what's his name from uh, the Jaguars, the video that we always show of a guy getting, uh, dude getting slapped before the game. Oh, uh, is it James Henderson or John Henderson? Yeah. John Henderson getting smacked yeah. before the Jaguars game. You need that, but a legal version that you have to sign a waiver for in a corporate setting. Here, million dollar yes. idea. Yes. Oh, now I'm just thinking about how Coach Mendoza – Reminds me of a world's strongest man. Shouts out to him and uh, everyone at Wayne State. He he was he ended up being a strength and conditioning coach uh, for them, and they they won a tourney. Or they won a championship. Excuse me, it's not tournament. That man's arms were 100% ham cannons. And if you enjoyed a good ham cannon podcast, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five star rating, and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Boom. Money in the bank.